this morning we're talking about staying in the game. And uh, have you ever, uh, anybody ever played a sport and you were playing and then all of a sudden the coach is like, come on, uh, sit down, be benched. Anybody ever been benched before? And it doesn't feel good, right? And you want to stay in the game. You want to be effective. A lot of times you want to be the hero. You know, you want to be the person that scores the goal or, or you know, you want to be the goalie that blocks all those shots. You want to be the hero. You want, the, you want to show up. Well, one, we've got to show up for the game. But two, we've got to stay in the game and not get benched. But see, here's the thing in, in the kingdom. God doesn't bench you. God doesn't pull you out of the game. But we can pull ourselves out of the game. Or we can allow ourselves to be pulled out of the game. And it's the same thing. We end up, our effectiveness goes down to almost nothing. How many people have ever been, man, Lord, I'm trying to go after you. I'm, I'm going after you. I'm trying to. But then you look back and you're like, man, I, I am not being effective at all. Anybody ever been there besides me? Man, this just stinks. It, it is not what I had planned. And we talked a couple Wednesday nights ago about being bold and courageous. And I'm telling you, uh, if you didn't see that, you need to watch that. But this, you know, this week as I was praying, Lord, what do you want me to bring on Sunday? Uh, because we're getting ready to go into some financial breakthrough and breaking the debts off in a series about that. Anybody up for that? Yeah, anybody, anybody want to see their debt go down to zero? Yep. Anybody want to see, <laughs> I saw somebody, oh, <laughs> yeah, anybody want to see your finances not just come up to, you know, you know not, but actually overflow in your life, yeah. right? And you know, you're, think about this. Uh, let me just give you a little precursor here. Think about this. What if, you could actually say, oh, you, you owe $10,000 on that car you got left? Well, I don't want you to have that anymore. I'm a, it's not your family. It's somebody else in the body of Christ. And you go, I'm a just, here, I'm going to just write a check for that right now. $10, you ain't going to have no more debt. on. See, a lot of times we're just focusing on ourselves so much that we miss the fact of if I would get to the place where I would allow God to overflow me, I could affect other people's lives. You see? What if we got to that place? So that's coming up. Now I want you to be thinking about this. If Imagine that God walked in here. Imagine that God walked in here and he said, whatever numbers you write down is going to happen. And he said, whatever debt you got, Whatever you list out, whatever amount that is, I'm going to erase it. All right? And I said, now come up with a list of how much debt you owe. What we're believing God, we're going to all agree together for everybody's personal debt to go to zero. But it's only what you write down. Because you need to see it. You need to, have, you need to be specific. All right? This debt, that debt, house, home, put everything. Business. And then what if you said, and I'm believing God, uh, here's what I'm making now, and here's what I'm believing God for increase. I believe the Lord has told me to believe for this much. And whatever you write down, that's what you're going to get. Right? Then, then that's the numbers I want you to be thinking of. Yeah. Uh, pull out your bills. Pull them out. Make a list. Add them up. 
Figure up what it is that you want that debt to be gone and you want that increase to come to, right? Some, um, some people may see that start happening immediately. Some people it may take a little bit, but start putting those numbers together because I believe what you write down on that piece of paper is what's going to happen to you. We're going to be agreeing for that to happen, amen? amen? And think big. Think big. Don't, don't think small. Think big. But ask, ask the Lord, what would you have me to write down and believe for right now? Right now. Amen? Amen. So that's what's going to come. We're going to be heading into that uh, series some, and, and uh, that's going to be coming up. But when I did that message on boldness and courageous, being bold and courageous, one of the things that came up is we need boldness. We need to be courageous. What I've found in this word is that boldness and being courageous goes hand in hand with being a Christian. And if we have any timidity, any holding back for a lack of boldness, for a lack of courage, we're allowing the devil to steal some things from us. Well, one of the ways that he does that and keeps us out of the game and benches us Actually, we bench ourselves, we just don't realize it. But it's through a lack of boldness. And so I want you to come and tell the story about praying with the guy and what you went through and just share that real quick. So we live in the country, so I have to take our trash to the dump. We don't have trash pickup. So I was taking my trash to the dump. Was it this week, last week? I don't know, recently. And uh, I got there, and I mean, I've been doing this for years. So I've seen this guy for years and I got out of my car and as soon as I saw him I could see something was on him I mean he just seemed oppressed he just seemed down you know like I don't know he wasn't having a good day or he felt bad there just seemed to be something on him and my heart went out to him and so I'm getting all the trash in the dump and we're in the bin and I start to walk to the car and God's like are you gonna pray for him well yeah sure I can pray for him I was like, no, 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 I mean, are you going to go pray for him <laughs> out loud? Yeah, I can, I can do that. I've done that a lot. I mean, <laughs> we pastor a church. I prayed for lots of people. But in that instance, I'm like, I mean, but Lord, I, I, I got to get to work. <laughs> um, I got stuff to do. I could pray for him on the way to work. You hear my prayers, you answer them, it would be just as powerful. I mean, and my flesh was bucking. I mean, and this is a super sweet guy. He doesn't look like he'd harm a fly or anything, so it's, it's not that he was mean and scary looking or anything. But my flesh was just like, you can pray for him quietly in the comfort of your car with the heat turned on. And God's like, out loud. With him. With him. So I'd done emptied all the trash in my truck. So I went back and I like had you know opened the door again. And I was like, mm-mm. So I shut the driver door and I went and opened the passenger door and I'm looking for a straw wrapper or anything. I'm gonna find some piece of trash. And I <laughs> I did. I think I found a straw wrapper in Rachel's seat. And uh, so I went and grabbed my straw wrapper and I was like, oh, found something else. You always find something with kids. You know, I made a little joke with him or something. And I was like, sir, can I pray with you? He's like, well, yeah. And you could tell that's not a question that he got very often. And if for no other reason than that, my heart broke. Mm. We live, I mean, we don't live in some big metropolis, but we live, in a, we live in the South. There are Christians everywhere. 
Why is this a strange question to him? Or supposed to be. Yeah. And I'm a minister. Why was it so hard for me to do that? Done this, I, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed with people. And yet still, my flesh was just like, I mean, it was like somebody was in here going, uh, no, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. And I'm having to like push past to be able to go pray for someone in boldness. But this is what I do. But we struggle with that too. You know, we have to put that down too. There are times that Satan will try to stop us as well, even though it's who we are. It's who you are. Amen. And so what was what was important in the situation is, you know, I don't think that we've stopped our life long enough to realize how much your boldness is under attack. Mm -hmm. How much being uh, courageous is under attack to be who God's called you to be. You know, several, uh, I asked a question a few months ago. I said, when was the last time you led somebody to the Lord? Not brought them to church. You led them to the Lord. When was the last time that you helped somebody disciple themselves to Christ? When's the last time you prayed and saw somebody filled with the Spirit? When's the last time you prayed over somebody to be healed and they were miraculously healed? The Word says that these signs will follow those who believe. You know, these, these will follow, those ones who believe, these signs will follow them. That's right. And so it begs the question, do we really believe or is there something that's holding back the action of our belief? And that thing that's holding it back is the spirit of timidity. And, you know, here you're, you're I remember a while back the Lord, you know, I'm talking to somebody and, and I, I didn't want to pray for somebody, very similar circumstance like this. I didn't want to pray for somebody. And all of a sudden it hit me, I'm a pastor. Everybody thinks I should pray with them. What in the world would I hold back for? Yeah. And I'm thinking, and then that kind of made me go, why was I thinking I didn't want to or I couldn't? And I realized that's that spirit of timidity trying to get its grip inside of you, mm -hmm. in your head, in your soul, in your spirit, trying to get a hold of who you are and hold you back from standing up for what is right. And see, if we're not seeing some people born again, if we're not seeing them uh, miracles happen, if we're not seeing them filled with the Spirit, if we're not seeing them grow closer to Christ, and that's not a regular basis, not just at the church, but in our individual lives, you have to understand that something's holding you back from being what God said you were. And that is the spirit of timidity. And I think a lot of times people think that it just comes easy to other people, but it doesn't. They have to put the, thank you, they have to put the flesh down just like you do. And that's what's attacked. And so effectively what happens is we're taken out of the game a lot of us never even entered the game. See, I would say it says, He who wins souls is wise, right? These signs will follow those who believe. See, I would say if we're not, if we're not winning people to the Lord on a regular basis, you know, used to when we started the church, my goal was to be a place where people could be led to the Lord, filled with the Spirit, um, but and I would tell people, look, we got an easy place for you to start here. You know, all you got to do is bring people to church. 
But here's what I found out. They, they wouldn't even, people wouldn't even bring people to church. You know why? Because the same spirit that would hold them back from leading somebody to the Lord is the same spirit that would keep them from asking their neighbor to go to church. And so now I've, it's kind of shifted on me where I'm not just trying to get you to bring somebody to church. I'm trying to just get people to live this thing, to be bold, to be courageous. We're called to do exploits. We look at this as Daniel 11 and uh, verse 32 in the King James. Come on. Come on, Daniel. What page is it on in yours? There we go. All right. Daniel 11 and verse 32. And the last part of that verse says, But the people who know their God, right? The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. They shall be strong and do exploits. See, exploits accompany strong Christians. Exploits will accompany the life. If you're not seeing exploits accompany your life, then maybe there's a strength and a lack of courage that's drawing you out of the game. We've got to be bold, willing to stand up, willing to talk to somebody, willing to ask somebody, you know, hey, are you, do you know Jesus? We've got to be bold in these things. We've got to be courageous. There's people that have needs. And without a bold and courageous Christian, those needs aren't met because we're the hands and the feet. We are the salt and the light. Joshua 1.3 says this. It says, every place, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I, will, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. Every place. So what place are you going to walk in your life that's not yours and the Lord's? What place are you going to walk to that doesn't belong to you and God? There's no place. See, that should give us some courage right there. Man, I can't walk into a place that isn't mine and God's. I can't walk into a place. This place that he's talking about is the promised land for Joshua. Well, we've entered that promised land through Jesus Christ. Every place we go, it ought to bring us some courage and some boldness. We've got to be a people that's bold to do the exploits that God has planned. See, we ought to have so many testimonies of exploits coming out. But see, right now we're just looking for testimonies of, of people getting born again or, or just bringing people to church. But see, I'm not just talking about us. I'm talking about you know, our society. Why? Because a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity has been spread throughout. Don't you say nothing. Most pastors are afraid to even say anything uh, even remotely political from the pulpit because of fear that their status will be taken away. 
forget the status. What's more important, attack status or doing the things of God? You, we've got to learn a boldness, a courageousness. You mean to tell me that if my tax status goes away, that we will cease to exist because of that tax status? Well, that's not. if that's the case, what am I preaching? Right? <laughs> if, if God's not my source and provision, what are we preaching? What are we doing? I mean, in other words, that tax status is my source? Well, then what in the world am I preaching this for if that's my source? You see, we've got to learn that that... Fear has crept into the church. That timidity. And the whole purpose is to take away who you are in God. Who you are called to be. Someone who does exploits. Somebody who makes the supernatural look natural. Somebody who sees the power of God all the time. When's the last time you've witnessed a miracle? You know, a few months ago I went, you know, it's been a little bit, been, you know, a few months since I've seen a miracle. So I just let that boldness and courageousness creep up in me. I started thinking about it. I started meditating on it. I want to see a miracle. Well, within a period of, of a week, over the last week and a half, I've seen two. Two miracles. Actually, at one place it was the same miracle, but it happened three or four times with different people. So probably five or six miracles. Well, why am I seeing that? Because I said, I want to see it. I'm pressing into it. I'm being bold to reach into the things of God and say, I, I want what you paid for because if it's not on me, it's going to be hard for me to give it away. We've, we've got to have it in us. We've got to have a boldness. But see, I, I've got, you've got to live this out the same way I live it out. You want to see these things, then you've got to start believing God for it. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You've got to start believing God for it. You've got to start saying, be boldly go into the promises of God. Not sit back and see what happens. That's not boldness. That's not boldness. But to say, Lord, I trust you. I'm stepping into it. I trust you. He goes on to tell Joshua in verse 5 and 6, No man will be able, every place I've given you, no man will be able to stand. Be strong and courageous. These are the promises given to Joshua under a lesser covenant. We have a better covenant. So much more so should we be going, Yeah, nobody's standing in front of me. God's given me every place that I step into. I'll be even stronger, even more courageous. We've got to get that on us. We've got to let it become us. Become a part of who we are. You see, this is the character and nature of God. And therefore, it should be the character and nature of us. Of a Christian. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 5. And I want you to see something. We talked about this at the men's group a few weeks ago. But it's just so important. This, I was reading through here and, man, this stuck out to me. Because at the beginning of Exodus chapter 5, basically what's happened is this. This is a huge, huge story. I mean, and such a huge point. At the beginning of Exodus chapter 5, what's happened is uh, 
They went down into Egypt. The children of God did. Israel did. They're down in Egypt. The Pharaoh that they had favor with, they no longer have favor with. He died. Now they've got a Pharaoh. And 400 years go by and they're slaves. The children of God have become slaves. And so now Moses comes up. Miraculous things that happen. It's amazing. He's alive. God shows him favor. Even his own mom gets to take care of him. It's just a beautiful thing. But then Moses grows up and in, in Hebrews chapter 11 we find out that Moses said, Moses had everything. He had everything. He was the prince of Egypt. I mean, he had everything. But he said, I'd rather have, basically, just paraphrasing, I'd rather have the things of God than to have everything the world has for me. And so he leaves Egypt. He flees Egypt. And, because Pharaoh's after him now. And he's out in the wilderness for 40 years. And about that time, he sees the burning bush. And so he goes up and he meets with the Lord. And the Lord says, basically, Moses, I want you to go and be my hands because I've, I've heard my, the cries of my people. And they're going to come free. And I want you to go and speak for me. And so Moses comes into Egypt. He starts talking to Pharaoh. And as soon as he starts talking to Pharaoh, that's about the time that we get to uh, chapter 5. Now, here's the thing. What has God said? What is the word of the Lord for the people of Israel at this point? They're going to be free. I'm setting them free. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that happening or not? God said it, right? It's there for them to take it. They're going to be set free. Now, you and I know that eventually they came free. We know that, right? But did they know that? They didn't know it yet. All they had was, now, now watch this. There's a little, I'm, I'm, I'm tricking you here. I'm trapping you a little bit. All they had was the word of God. See, we're supposed to take the word of God and let that be more of a reality than what we see around us. They had that same opportunity to allow the Word of God to be more of a reality than what they see. But they had years of being in bondage, of not being free, that was showing them habits. And they had habits of that. And so here you get to this place, and I want you to see this um, in uh, verse 1 and 2 of chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. Now, who does that sound like? See, here's the thing. A lot of times, as soon as you start, Well, I'm going to go to church today. Your body says, who are you to tell me you're going to church today? You're going to stay in. And then maybe you finally do get to church. A lot of people don't. A lot of people, this voice stops them before they even get going. Mm. 
<laughs> she said, Jesus. I, don't, I know, I know, that's, that's right. A lot of times that voice right there is enough, and it stops people. Who you think you are telling me? You need rest. You've been working hard, baby. You've been working hard. Right there is a voice. But see, God's spoken something. See, we need to turn that back around because, you know, one of the things that really needs to happen to Pharaoh is, who are you? Well, I'm Pharaoh. I run this world. <laughs> who are you? Because there's a God that's spoken. And this is not a dead God. And this is not a God that's not going to see something done. This is my God. This is the creator of the universe. And see, we need to tell that to our flesh sometimes. Who are you, flesh? Who are you, flesh? What do you think you're doing? Trying to tell me something that's contrary to what my Lord has told me to do? But see, it's not like... See, I, one of the things that's so very frustrating, I didn't really get this until recently, is that you know, when we started the church... One of the things that I, I thought is I'd teach on some of these you know, outstanding revelations of God and people would just be like, ooh, revelation, and, and want to come to the revelation. You know, I'm like, people just eat that up. We, they have this, you know, they, there's not enough teachers and pastors that really want to shepherd them, and, and I just thought that they would flock to that revelation. I mean, you know. It should have been like that. It should have. And I felt like we would meet a need, right? That people had a need for that. God had called us to the area. Well, God had called us to the area. He had called us to the area. He would given us a mission and a vision. But, man, I just thought the response would be different. And there's so many things that I would love to teach on that goes into the depth of spiritual stuff, but I can't teach on it. I, I've finally been able to relate with Paul when he says, Look, I want to give you meat, but I can't i got to give you milk. He said, you should be pressing on yourself into it. See, and I, can, I finally got to the place where I can relate to that because here's the thing, there's some stuff that I want to press into that I can't, and here's why. Because the society was not at the place where I thought society was. I thought society, you know, was pressing into the things of God, but here's what I found, you know. There's a whole bunch of people that hadn't even gone to church ever in their life. Why would they honor and esteem revelation from God if they never even gone to church? Well, I'd overlooked that in my thinking. Why? In other words, there was, you know, I'm trying to, you know, give some of this stuff, and, and they are not even here as society, you know. Well, that's where a good leader has to back up and say, all right, who's my audience? What's my demographics? What am, what am I preaching to? And what I found is this, because we have a society as a whole, not necessarily talking about you or not talking about you, not, not either one, but a society as a whole, they don't know what this word says. They don't know the promises of God. They don't know who the devil is or how he operates. And over time, just out of necessity, what I found myself as being a fireman, just putting out fires that the devil had started in people's lives, and they just let them, let them burn. And so I was 
running over here to put out this fire and running over here to put out this fire. And what I ended up teaching on out of emergency and is, is who the devil is and how he thinks. And one of the things that I started getting, you know, I was thinking, man, I don't want to talk about the devil. I want to talk about God. And I actually started feeling condemned about how much I'll talk about how the devil does. But you see here, this very weird and interesting thing is how much power does the devil have? None. Well, y'all know that. You know how many people, you know, what's the percentage of people that know that? Not very little. I mean, not very many. And here's the thing, a lot of people don't even know that. But here's what I found. I don't want to be talking about the devil. I want to be talking about the great things of God. But even with the great things of God, which I preached on for years, the devil was still eating everybody's lunch. And so I had to start talking about the way he operates. The Word says it like this. It says, look, you need to be aware of his devices. You, you don't be ignorant about how he operates because even if he has no power even if he has no power if you, you're not aware of how he operates then he'll eat your lunch with your own power your own authority so here's one of those ways that he does that the first thing he says is who is this God? I don't know that God well of course he knows who that God is but he's not going to let you know. He's a liar and a thief. He's going to bring up questions because if he can get you questioning who is this God, he's already won. And it doesn't matter how big and how great God is, if he gets you turning on yourself, everything's changed. And so I found out that as good and as big as God is, if you don't know how the enemy attacks you, and you, you just fall right into his trap. And you know who, who I learned the best lessons from that with? Me. <laughs> this guy. Because I fell into his trap for years. Years, 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 years. And finally I started recognizing what it looks like. I started seeing. The more I got in here, the more I studied the word, I started seeing what it looks like. I saw something when I continued to read this story. Uh, skip on down now to verses 7, Exodus 5, verse 7 and 9, 7 through 9. Here he goes, he says, talk, this Pharaoh talking, You are no longer to give the people straw to make bricks as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, but the quota of bricks which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it because they are lazy. Therefore they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Verse 9, let the labor be heavier. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it so that they will pay no attention to false words. Now let me just ask you a question. All of a sudden, you finally do make it to church. You start going after God. You start trying to show up. Man, as soon as you walk in the door, I mean, if it's a church that's worth its salt, you start feeling the bondages lift. Amen? You start feeling the love of God. If a, if a church is, anybody ever felt that when they came in here? Amen. Right. 
So if a church knows what they're doing, they know how to walk in authority, they're going to help you start getting free from the moment you walk in there. You might not experience it right away, but you're going to start feeling it. Then what happens? Huh? Trials. Persecution. All of a sudden, it becomes... Here's, I've heard this, this is a testimony, it's almost verbatim, and I hear it on a regular basis. Well, why is it that we started coming to church and all of a sudden things just went to... <laughs> Man, we try, started trying to do everything good, and then all of a sudden everything starts breaking. I, I got to go to the doctor, the kids get sick, everything else. I tried to do it right, I tried to give God myself, and look what happens. Anybody ever been there besides me? Well, who's doing that? And what are they after? See, the devil is after your boldness to stick on the Word of God. All right, I'm doing the right thing. Now I need to not stop. Now see, here's the question. Look on down and watch how the people reacted here. But uh, we'll go there in just a second. Turn to Mark 4. In verse 17. This is the parable of the sower, but I just want you to see this. Mark 4, 17. And having no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary, then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word immediately they fall away why is the affliction and persecution coming because you're in a place now where the word is given see when you start recognizing how the devil works you'll start to realize well if I'm actually getting the word then I'm going to start having affliction and persecution because of that the affliction and persecution it's going to go away if you stand boldly in the midst of it. I cannot tell you the number of people. I probably cannot count on, on, all, on my hands and feet, fingers and toes. I can probably go over a hundred easily where people come in. They gladly come into a place where God wants them to be. Affliction or persecution rises up. And before long, they're saying, I just can't take this anymore. I've tried God. And see, no, 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 no. You didn't try God. The affliction and persecution tried you and found you short of faith. And the whole point of it, you have to understand that the affliction and the persecution is there to do one thing, to try and get you to believe that the word of God is false. Just like Pharaoh said back there trying to get you to believe that God's word will not fulfill. But God said this. He said, my word is true. My word will accomplish everything that it was sent to do. It will perform. God is faithful. And see, what happened is the affliction and persecution test your ability to stand in faith and patience on that word. 
And if your if your uh, patience and your faith does not stand the test, then you'll walk away going, "Well, that must not have been true." And then people and men try to make up doctrines to tell you why that promise wasn't true. And that's how you get into a weakened gospel without any demonstration and no power, because people tried the things of God instead of believed them. But see, what happens is when freedom comes into somebody's life, it's like all of a sudden the devil tries to throw a little affliction and persecution at you. You see, you've got to get to the point where affliction and persecution doesn't turn you. It doesn't bother you. You understand why it's there. Because the Word is in you. How many people have found a reason? How many people... uh, don't, Don't raise your hand. This would be a better question to not raise your hand at. Although it's probably going to be about everybody. How many people have found all of a sudden you come into a place like Boomerang and all of a sudden you find a reason to be mad at me? You found something that you didn't like. Oh, I don't like it about that church. They pray too short. They pray too long. They worship too loud. They worship too too softly. Sometimes he preaches and it's over and it's like, hey, I came, I wanted to hear preaching. Sometimes he never shuts up. (laughs) And what you find out is it's affliction and persecution against the word and the devil will start throwing thoughts at you. He'll start throwing thoughts at you. And you've got to learn, am I going to be bold? Am I going to think on things that are worthy of praise or not? He starts throwing stuff at you and all it's trying to do is get you out from that place. Because in that place is where that word will come to pass. In that place is where you'll have people. How how many people know somebody? It's not you, of course. But how many people know somebody (laughs) that you've seen jump from church to church to church to church to church? What's the common denominator? The person. But you know what? I mean, I think all of us have done that at some point. And what is it? What we didn't realize was that the devil was trying to steal the word and trying to get us to say, your word doesn't work, Lord. And see, he has no power, but if you will come up with that thought on your own and you will start acting on it, that word that you gave me is false, I have just lost all the power for that thing to come true until I turn back to it and say, your word is true, let every man be a liar, including myself if I think that way. See, when we get to that kind of conviction over the things of God and we start looking at affliction and persecution in the face, he doesn't come at you that way as much anymore. He'll still try. He'll test you. He'll continue to test you. He's trying to get you off of that word. Were the children of Israel, were they already free or not? Yeah, they were. Why? Because God had said they're going to be free. See, they didn't know it. Because their surroundings were more important than the word of God. And because they didn't know it, it allowed the question, is this true, to come up. Look where it led them here in uh, verse 7. Exodus 5, or excuse me, uh, go on down to verse 21. It says, Then they said to him, this is the people talking to Moses, May the Lord look upon you and judge you. 
For you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So now these people, who are they turning against? The one who brought them the word. The one who brought them the word. They brought them freedom. <laughs> I didn't say it, you said that, but I can't tell you how many times this happened. The one who brought them the word. And he says, look, who are they more concerned with being odious? This is a lack of faith. The word really teaches us that this is a foul smell. This is a bad deal in the nostrils of God. This is a horrible offering they're bringing. They're bringing no faith. They're more concerned with Pharaoh than they are God. They're more concerned with the taskmaster and the slave driver than they are God. The one who can actually set them free and has already done it. And they're going to the leader saying, why have you made us this way? He didn't make them that way. But look, even the leader, watch, watch this. Verse 22, then Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Even Moses, the great leader, he's got a moment here where he's trying to figure stuff out. <laughs> Let me tell you, it happens. <laughs> it happens every now and then I gotta straighten myself out but if I go to God God's there he's merciful Moses says to the Lord why did you ever send me ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name he has done harm to this people and you have not delivered your people at all Anybody ever been mad with God? Was it God's fault? <laughs> you live long enough, you'll find out it weren't. <laughs> it wasn't God's fault. If you humble yourself, you'll find out sooner. God always had good plans for you. He's always had a word of deliverance for you. He's always had the ability and paid for it for you to be free. But a lot of times we fall right into the trap. How many people have been on fire some Sunday morning? It's like, oh my goodness, I am on fire. I'm on fire for God. Man, you make promises, you make covenant. Lord, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. By the next Sunday. <laughs> By that afternoon. <laughs> all of a sudden, that is challenged. Why? You received a word inside you that said you need to be all in. That's a word. Before you even get out the door, the devil is challenging that with affliction or persecution. I can't tell you how many times I have seen somebody come free and that week their family just fall apart. All of a sudden, there's some emergency. At some point, you've got to recognize emergencies don't just come every time I get a breakthrough. At some time, you've got to say, and see, it's the boldness and courageousness that says, no, this is not right. I'm not standing for it this time. And you've got to decide, I'm going to go after God. I don't care if it kills me. I don't care. Revelation. These are the ones that overcame. They overcame him. They overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb. 
the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto the death. The blood of the Lamb is paid the full price. Every bit of freedom you need is paid for by the blood of Christ. Your testimony needs to start lining up with that. Every time I take a step forward with God, I go two steps backward. Cars break, bills come in, my gets sick, my, my mama's dog gets sick, everything else. I mean, anything that can happen, if it'll throw you off, the devil will try it. He'll try it. And see, but if he can get that in your mouth, you're already not the overcomer. But if you'll say, I don't care what happens, I'm victorious in Christ. I'm out of debt. My debt's canceled. We carry a debt-canceling anointing. People that shake my hand just start getting out of debt. I carry the healing of God. It flows in me, through me, and people that just shake my hand get healed by the glory that's rising up inside of me. I carry freedom of God in me. See, if you get that in your mouth, all of a sudden stuff starts changing. Stuff starts changing. See, I'm of the opinion that just when I walk into a store and start talking to some, their life gets better. Well, what gives you the right to say it? Because everywhere my foot touches, the Lord has given me. I can't tell you how many, you, you start believing this way and then start watching. How many times do we walk into a restaurant and we walk in, there's nobody there. And before we leave, the place is packed. We see it all the time. You know why? Because we're believing. We're bold in that stuff. We're courageous in that stuff. Now, they can fight against it if they want to, but while I'm there, i got to write. This is my place. See, I've got to get this in my mouth. I've got to get it in my heart, and I don't care what kind of affliction or persecution comes. You are not getting me off the Word of God. And they love not their life unto the death. Even if it kills me, I will not let go of the word because it's not a false word. I will hold on. I will boldly, courageously hold on to the word of God. And because I will do these things, because you will do these things, because we will do these things, we will see exploits in the kingdom. We will see exploits. God said this, chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. You want to put an importance on Pharaoh? I think this is correcting Moses a little bit. Oh, you think Pharaoh's something. You're about to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're about to see. For under compulsion, he will let them go. And under compulsion, he will drive them out of his land he won't just let them go he'll force them to go he'll say you better get off my land it'll be the answer of the Lord you see when you understand who God is you'll start to recognize this thing's got it's going to be forced out it might not go easily but it's going and it's going with power and it's going with the backing of the hand of God in your life but you got to get it inside of yourself with a boldness I'm not taking this anymore devil I'm not taking this. You can lie to me all you want to. It ain't happening. You can try to tell me it's a false word. This thing's happening because God's word's on it. God's word's on it. 
Verse 6 says, say, say therefore to the sons of Israel, I'm the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. Now listen, I want you to think right now about your burdens and the bondages in your life. Be them sickness, be them, be them uh, finances, be them just some freedom in your mind, freedom in your soul. I want you to think about it. And let this be the Lord talking to you because all this is already paid for in Jesus. It's yours. Say therefore to the people of God, all right, people of God, he, God says this, I'm your Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. God says, I will stretch out my arm to you and I will redeem you to the place that I've called you to be. Like there was nothing ever missing, nothing ever broken. You will be completely redeemed like new. Like new. Put your faith on that. Boldly put your faith on that right now. God says this, Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. You will know it. You will know. That's my God. My God's coming through right here. My God's coming through. Doctor, well, I don't know how you got to feeling better. That doesn't make sense to me. I know how I got better. That's my God. He's my God. He took me for himself. I'm his people. That's my God. This week, it was funny. It just, this week it stuck out to me, probably just so I could say this to you. But man, everywhere we went to a store, and you know this is one of those weeks where everybody's at the store, right? Anybody, anybody ever looked for a parking space during a week like Black Friday week, right? I'm telling you, everywhere we went was like front door service. I'm like, that's the favor of God. We were talking about it on the way home last night. Every place we go is like the second spot in the row. I mean, like first, second, third spot, right there, right in front, the whole week. People are walking a quarter of a mile to get into the mall. I walk, pull right up, and the lady goes right out. And I went, thank you, God. Concord Mills, Black Friday. First spot that wasn't handicapped because we don't carry those. First spot. Thank you, Lord. The favor of God. You see, the reason I tell you that is because that's my God. He loves me. He cares about the little things. You know what? He cares about you and your little things too. He cares about those things. You know, you ever have somebody when you're pulling into a nice spot and you got somebody else that's like, vroom, 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 like, like you better get on the gas and get in there? There wasn't even any of those people. Black Friday. That's my God. He's your God too. I didn't even have to find anybody for it. Listen, we're, we're already longer than I was planning on preaching. But God's doing something here. And I just want to tell you this. If you need to go, I understand that. But there's some, there's some good stuff coming up in the rest of this message. And I want to tell you about it. But if you need to go, go ahead. And that's no pressure, honestly. But if you need to, go ahead. I just want to give you freedom to get up. I understand that. But for the ones that want to, I'm going to finish preaching this, okay? Yeah. Even if it's just me.
All right. So then he says this. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give you Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. I will bring you to the place where the fullness of God's promise will be yours. Where the fullness, where everything, nothing lacking, nothing broken, I'll bring you to that place. So you can look in this right now and say, that's me. I, I'm in that now. That's me. It is not a false word to me. It's mine. And listen, watch, 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 watch. Verse 9. Watch this. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. See, they had been slaves for so long, their thinking had been tainted. They had been under bondage for so long. Now, they came out from the bondage of the Egyptians, but they never entered into the fullness. Think on that for a second. There's a whole lot of people that will get born again but they will never walk in the fullness of the promised land that's been promised to them and paid for. They'll never walk in healing. They're ne they'll never walk in the fullness and overflowing finances. They'll never walk in complete freedom. Fear will be, even, even fear will follow them out of the land of that slavery and it will taint them for the rest of their life. Even fear will be a bondage outside of that. How many people do you know that live? I've, I've heard Christians say it. Well, everybody fears something. Everybody's got to worry about something. No, you don't. Perfect love casts out all fear. God is love. There is no fear in love. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. See, that's a false word to a lot of Christians and they never walk in. They never walk into the fullness of the promise for whatever reason. But a lot of times it's because they have affliction and persecution and immediately they, they say, oh, well, God's word must not be true. But it is true. And some people will walk it out. And those people, when the ones that don't accept it, the people that actually walk into it will make you mad for the rest of your life. You'll fight against it. You'll talk bad against them and everything until you finally say, God's word's true for me too. Despondency is this. I looked up that word because I didn't know what it meant. And uh, it says this. It means impatience. They didn't enter into the fullness because of their impatience. Let me tell you right now, there's some... There's some promises right now that you can have in fullness if you'll just get patient. You just get patient. There's some stuff right now God's laid up for you. I mean, He's laid up for you right now. It's the fullness of His promise. And all it takes is for you just to hold on to faith and be patient. God's about to break it through for you. Hey, that's, a, that's more than just a statement there. That's the spirit of the words on that for somebody that takes that by faith. Yeah.
God's about to break that through for you right now. He's about to break that through. Amen. That's how you receive it, just like that. Make it yours. Be bold to reach out and say, I'll take that. Impatience, despondency was impatience, anguish, and shortness of spirit. If you go on, uh, there's some more scriptures in Exodus. There's one where it says God wanted to take them right into the promised land, but he knew basically that they, I'll paraphrase, he knew they would get fearful and run back to Egypt so he couldn't take them in. Their fear held them in the, in the desert for 40 years and they never saw the fullness. Their fear kept them in that place. Yeah, I'll give you the reference. You, you can put it up. Uh, Exodus thirteen seventeen. How many people have probably not received the fullness of God because they've not had the boldness and the courageousness or affliction, persecution rises up, drives them to fear, and they miss the promise. Look at this. Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. It was close. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. They were fearful of war, and God could not lead them that way because they would have returned to Egypt. Even though that's the place he'd already given to them. See, Joshua and Caleb grabbed a hold of that. They believed it. That God's word was not false to them. When I was in boot camp, there was, uh, when I was in boot camp, there was a situation where I had somehow hurt my knee. And I don't know what it was, but, you know, boot camp wasn't a nice place. And as much as I was trying to be prepared, you don't know exactly how to prepare for that. But I got to the place where we were marching, and when I was marching, you're supposed to put dig your heels in, you know. And every time I would dig my heels in, all it, it felt like to me was that my bones were grinding like that every time I'd do that. And when I'd walk, it felt like that. And, and um, you know, and, and it was an issue. It was a problem, and it hurt, and, you know, I wasn't crying over it, but it hurt. And I was beginning to wonder, now I want, I want you to see something. This, is, this was not one of my best moments, and, but I learned something in the process. And it hurt. And I didn't want to be in that place in the first place. <laughs> I was pretty happy to not be on Paris Island. I wanted to go home. Well, the only way off of that island is you die. That didn't sound good. Or you were broke. You got broken. You know, your body's broke, so you couldn't go. Or you got dishonorably discharged, and that you couldn't, you know, that would hinder jobs for the rest of your life, and it would follow you for the rest of your life. Well, that didn't sound good either. But if I was, now listen, here was my thinking. If I get broken, that's not my fault. It's not my fault that I got broken. And I could blame it on that. And I could get out of this place. And so 
what began as a little bit of pain in my knee that now I know I should have just taken authority over. I should have just been like, devil, get out of here. But it began as a legitimate, factual pain in my knee. Turned into a thought. Ding! Home. And then that thought and desire for home and get out of this place turned into, let me figure out a way. And then that thought took root. And that root continued to grow. And after about a week, you know, I had plenty of fertilizer for that thought in that place. After about a week, my mind was set on going home. I, was, I told him I want to go to the doctor. See, this is exactly what the devil's trying to do. The one place that holds, now I'm not, boot camp is not that, but it's a good example of how your mind works and how the devil knows how it works and how thoughts work. The one thing the devil wants to do is get you out of the place that you're supposed to be. I can, I can tell you this, had I, had I not stayed there, um, my life would be different. It would have taken a different path. Because I'll, I'll promise you this, I would have had to have dealt with that for the rest of my life here. For the rest of my life. In turn, God helped me, and it turned into one of the best things. But in that moment, here I'm thinking, man, my knees hurt. And, then, and so the devil would throw these other thoughts. Well, what if it's really messed up? What if it's really messed up? Oh, my goodness. Then you could be damaged forever. And all these people that are hurt in the military and the government never takes care of, and you'll walk around with a limp the rest of, you know, I'm, I'm dreaming of having a limp the rest of my life, you know. And, and it's just a little bit of pain. But, I mean, my mind just went with that. Why? Because I, I didn't want to be there in the first place. You know, sometimes in church, your flesh don't want to be here in the first place. Right? Am I lying? Sometimes your flesh just don't want to be in the places that God wants you to be. And your mind will come up with stuff. Because it's trying. We had a situation just last night we were talking to Abigail about. And I was just explaining to her, look, your mind doesn't want to do this. It wants to do that. And it's going to try to find a path to get it that way and not be your fault. That's the way the flesh works. So, man, I, now I'm going to the doctors in boot camp. Check it out. They're like, I can't find anything wrong. Well, now I'm starting to get irritated. I'm like, I'm hurting. And I was hurting. It was. It was pain. It was, I'm hurting. You're telling me there ain't nothing wrong? Now I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting mad, right? I was like, and, you know, they're thinking, here's another recruit wants to go home and get out of boot camp. They were right, but I wasn't going to tell them that. But it was, but I was hurting. Why this? And now I, I'm frustrated. But in that place, you know, you don't have all the choices that you have out here in the world. And um, I had a senior drill instructor, and he said, "There's nothing to back it up. You need to get over it. Basically, be a man." and go I'm like and I was trying not to lose face in front of him too and I'm like you know sir it really does hurt it's, I'm not making that up it does hurt but I wasn't telling him the internal struggle that was actually happening was I wanted out of that place 
And my mind had just gone to work trying to connect the dots to make that happen and not be Brian's fault. But he said, you need to be a man and get over it. And so I decided, you know, it wasn't easy, but I decided I'm going to be a man and get over it. And I went from, you know, and he saw that decision. And that decision led to a meritorious promotion because he knew what I was going through. He knew my mind was set on leaving, and yet I turned it around mentally and I decided to stay. And he, I was going into the reserves. He said, I don't ever. He said, there's two people I do not ever promote. One is my scribe, who's the guy that takes care of, like, drawing out, writing all the stuff down and the schedule and different things. He said, I never promote my scribe because they're always close to me. They, and basically, they get to the place where they, they're so close to the drill instructors, they spend more time with them that they get complacent, don't honor them anymore. And then, so they, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. They get to that place. He said, the other people I don't ever promote is reservists because they're not going to be in full-time active duty enough to actually get something out of it. I was both. But because I think that decision, he saw this is a man that's honorable. This is somebody that's worthy of that. And so what was actually one of my worst moments turned into where God was really favoring me. But he's also teaching me something on how our mind works. Just like what Pharaoh did in Egypt when he said, you've got a word, you've got something to do, you've got a task to get accomplished. And then Pharaoh comes up and says, who's that talking? Who told you? Then he says, matter of fact, uh, put extra work on them. They got too much time on their hand. Put some extra work on them. Put some extra work on them. Put some affliction or some persecution on those Christians. Put something on them that will cause them to break off of what God's told them to do. Put something on them. See, what you, we don't realize is the moment God said it, that thing was done. The moment God said it, that thing was done. The moment God said, I am the Lord that healeth thee, you're healed. The moment that God said, I'm your deliverer, you were delivered. The moment that God said, I'm your provided, you have been abundantly provided for. The moment God said, I'm your salvation, I'm your banner, I'm your shepherd, I'm your shield, I will cover you, I will protect you, I'm your strong tower. Every promise of God, it was done. The difference is, do we believe it or not, or do we let affliction and persecution push us off and let us start thinking that's a false word? Nothing changed by the time the apostles got here. Over in Acts chapter 4. <coughs> See, and, and I'll use this moment, I'll use this moment to teach. See, what happens is the Spirit of the Lord wants to do something, lead you to some freedom. The Spirit of the Lord leads you to some places. And then all of a sudden, that freedom's about to come, 
when I preached on the boldness and courageousness message the other week, I, I was done at 8, but we didn't leave till 9. Like, I was ready to go at 8. But the reason was because God wanted to reach down into some people and rip out that spirit of fear. And we couldn't have done it, though, if we didn't stay. There was an anointing to do it that day. I've seen the difference in people since that night. It's been different. We, we crushed that spirit of fear that night. But had I shut it down at 8, it wouldn't have happened. See, the boldness and courageousness is not always just exactly what we think it is. Sometimes it's right you know, in a moment like this when, you know what, we're thinking, dude, it is 1 o'clock. Amen. That was so good, Harley. He's like, really? No. <laughs> that was awesome. And, and your flesh is going, man, I don't want to sit here anymore. It, he is surely not going to another scripture. <laughs> but yet, see, there's something the Lord wants to get to, or else I wouldn't be doing this. I'd have finished 30 minutes ago. The Lord wants to get to something. And he wants to help you. But see, a lot of people, a lot of times people eject because of affliction and persecution. And sometimes that affliction is very light. It's the discomfort of sitting here longer than I thought I was going to be here. But how many people do, does that cause them to hit the eject button? Tons. Tons. This is not healthy growth, church growth strategy. This is not it. What I'm doing today, it is not it. You know why? Because I ain't after that. I'm after helping you. I want you to stop hitting the eject button when affliction and persecution comes up. I want you to get bold against the devil and start putting some of that stuff down. I want you to be the winner and the overcomer and the conqueror that God's called you to be. That's who I want. And that's what I want. I want to help you. Because the tactics of the devil, even though he has no power, has been eating our lunch because we keep hitting the eject button instead of standing boldly and strongly against it. Yeah. See, right now, in a situation, I've been there too. I was, I was there just the other day. I, somebody was preaching, and I went, oh my God, did he just go to another scripture? Jesus. <laughs> Certainly, that is not the Spirit of God. You know? <laughs> The only difference was that was about four and a half hours in. This is only two. <laughs> See, y'all got mercy, favor. But I went, golly, but you got to recognize, what would be causing me to eject on the word of God? Fear, affliction, persecution. What, what would be causing you to say, I need anything else other than the word? Do you see that? Can you see it? I, I need anything else besides that Jesus ate this for 40 days. This is what fed him. The word. 
See, we've got to realize where our source is and where our source isn't. And all that affliction and persecution is trying to do is to push you to go to another source besides God. Go to the taskmaster. Go to the one that will hold you in bondage. And until you're ready to take your finger off the eject button, all the devil has to do is just uh, recreate that same situation. And every time, until you stop hitting it, you're going to hit it and eject right back into your bondage. 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 And the devil's got no power. And yet, we will stay under his thumb and in bondage because we keep hitting the eject button because every time our flesh says something, we go, okay, yeah, I'll do whatever you want, flesh. I don't want discomfort. I don't want it. So we've got to recognize that. And we've got to see. I'm, I'm tired of hitting that eject button. I'm tired of being in bondage. I'm tired of not having enough money to give what I want to give. I'm tired of bill collectors and credit people calling me. I'm tired of living in this junk hole. I'm tired of being this way. Well, it's not going... Listen. This may sound rough and rude and crude. It's not going to change until you get your finger off the eject button. And that means you've got to be able to tell your flesh where it can take itself. Because it's our flesh. It's the same flesh that was in the Israelites. It's the same flesh that's always been our problem. And the devil, all he does is manipulates our flesh with affliction and persecution to take you off of the word. Amen? How many people want to tell the flesh where it can go? Well, when you start realizing that telling the flesh where it can go is your freedom, then you'll start saying, me, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm not, uh-uh. I'm not letting anything get in the way of where my freedom is. I'm not letting anything get in the way of the things of God. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Here's what had just happened. Peter walks by, Peter and John. A man's been crippled. He gets healed. He goes in the church praising God. They're like, who did it? He's like, I don't know, just some men. And they said, get up, and I did. And praise God, now I'm healed. The power of God hit me. Peter starts preaching. They don't like it. It, it, is, on their, it is on the Pharisees' flesh. Well, they have the power to grab them and throw them in jail. So the Pharisees grab a hold of Peter and John, put them in jail, and that's where we're at. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening verse 4 but many of those who had heard the message believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000 so the fruit was already there man the fruit of God was in that place healing 5,000 people just came to believe Christ got saved the fruit was there you know just people born again. Last week we fed over 120 people. About 30 people rededicated their lives or more. Healing, deliverance, 
stuff just came. The fruit's, the fruit's there. The fruit is there in your life. There's a freedom. There's a freedom that's been released for you. But then in verse 13, they're, they're questioning them. And it says, now they observed the confidence. The King James says, the boldness of Peter and John. And understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. And they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. See, when you put on a courageousness and a boldness, something happens. People say, man, if I need answers, I know who's carrying them. And it's not just, you don't need to just be like, well, Pastor Brian's carrying the answers. Praise God, I'll just bring people to church. No, no, no. We carry the answers. We carry the answers. We carry the answers. I wasn't there to pray over the guy at the, at the dump. I wasn't there to pray for the guy the other day that you prayed for. I can't be. We are there. I wasn't there to show love to the folks that you've been showing love to. I can't do it that way. But we are. We carry Jesus with us. Verse 16. See, all of a sudden you start presenting problems for the devil. When you start getting a boldness and a courageousness, the devil starts going, what am I going to do with these people? No matter what I throw at them, they just keep going. They just keep going. It's like the Energizer Bunny. They won't stop. They're annoying me. Shut up. See, you start presenting a problem for the devil. See, I'm, I'm tired of the devil presenting a problem to us. I want us to present a problem to the devil. What are we going to do with these people? They won't stop. They won't stop. They just keep believing. They just keep healing people. What are we going to do when they just keep getting people saved and feeding them? Man, give the, turn the devil into the toddler. Turn him into the toddler instead of us being that. Turn him into it. But see, what does it take? you got to take the, your finger off the eject button. you got to tell your flesh to shut up. Man, just get comfortable. Just, just, just relax in the middle of the affliction and persecution. Go to sleep on the pillow in the bottom of the boat. Amen. Get comfortable in it. Because that's the kind of people the devil don't know what to do anything with. You see, there's one thing in boot camp, I know, I know Johnny can relate to this too, there's one thing in boot camp is you start to get used to the yelling and the screaming. <laughs> You start getting used to that place. And all of a sudden in that midst of it, you start getting used to the not the comfort, but you find comfort in things that other people don't find comfortable. And all of a sudden, there's a strength that comes on you. They can't really do anything to me. They said, work me out. Well, that just helps me get stronger for the next time they work me out. So I'll just accept that and just keep on pushing. Keep on marching. Oh, this, this, you're coming against me, devil? Fine. You just strengthen me up. Oh, you're trying to come against my finances? Fine. We'll just build some muscle. That way the next time it'll be for ten times this much. Amen. The breakthrough that we'll have will be ten times this much. 
and the next time it'll be a hundred times as much. So you want to keep on bringing it, bring it. I'm thinking about what the girls are always telling Luke. Was it? What is it? <laughs> you want a piece of me? Abigail tells Luke, bring it, bro. Come at me. Come at me, bro. That's it. That's what I was trying to remember. You know, you're not inviting the devil to come and fight you, but you are not scared of it. Your finger's off the eject button. We're going through. God is always leading me to triumph. Flesh, you're going to have to be quiet. What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. We can't deny it. We can't deny it. But so that it will not be not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. Let us put pressure. Let us make it heavy for them. Let us, let us put the weight. Let us make them work harder. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You know, there's times where they beat them. They had beat them. They had whipped them. They made it harder. It's the same thing that you find in Exodus. The devil has not changed his ways. He just finds new ways of carrying out the same psychological strategies against you. Except now he has no power left. The only power he has is what we give to him. The only power he has left is to talk you into hitting the eject button because of the affliction and persecution so that you will eject from the word. That's all, all the power he has left. But they said this, verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, <laughs> you be the judge. You mean you want me to listen to you? Affliction, persecution, my flesh. You want me to listen to you over God? I don't think so. I don't think so. Flesh, you're not my source. And Has anybody's flesh led them to a good place? Has anybody got any good testimonies about the places where the flesh, the corrupted flesh has led you to? Anybody? Well, then why do we keep listening to it? Why do we keep giving it a voice? Yeah. Why do we keep giving that a voice? See, at some point you've got to learn this lesson and we've got to say, I'm not playing that game anymore. I'm tired of playing the game. I'm tired of the bondage. I'm, not, I'm tired of going back to Egypt. I'm tired of going back to the junk. I'm breaking out. And I know somebody who has already given me their hand to pull me up out of the grave, out of the bondage, and set me free. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And then verse 29, they recognized what the devil was after. Oh, praise God. They saw what the devil was after. They saw it. 
Verse 29, they said, And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence, with all boldness. Amen. The devil's after your boldness. He's after your courageousness. Take note of it and grant that we would speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Lord, you see these persecutions, you see these afflictions. Lord, let us be, take on boldness. Take on the confidence of Christ. Let us take our fingers off the eject button. Let us stop making excuses for our flesh. Let us come out the other side strengthened. What was one of our weakest moments, Lord, turn it into one of our best. What was going to trap us, Lord, turn it into a giant victory and an overcoming. I just call right now that victory comes now in Jesus' name. That Jesus, come, that Jesus just opens up that victory now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.